if you're a marketing leader, you have to be talking to your customers. If you don't talk to customers at least a couple times a week, as a marketing director or above, I'll say it right now, I don't, you're doing your business a disservice and your customers a disservice by not doing that. Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Mark Killens is VP Content and Community at Drift. In this episode, Mark and I talk community building, content strategy, and what it's like building a new category. So to start off, I wanted to ask if I sort of, we'll start a little conceptual and then we'll dig in a little bit. But in another podcast I listened to, you mentioned that, you know, 2010 to 2020 marketing was all about content. And for the next decade, it's all about community marketing, obviously in my role. I'm really glad that you said that because it's good news for my career. But could you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Absolutely. Content has proliferated. There's so much content now it's table stakes. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to create content and to really stand out and to really get the right ROI from your content, you got to really focus on being unique, having a strong narrative and story, having a unique point of view. There's a lot of things that are required today of content marketers, of people doing inbound marketing. It has been going on since the mid 2000s. You could say even before then, right? It, it was it was starting to crop up, but now with the rise of influencers or any of us who can create content so easily with so many of these devices we have now, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. it, so many ways to create content that the future is not as much about content, but it's more about connection, the connection to the brand, the connection to the organization, and in, in the essence, community is a lot about connection. It's a lot about meaning, you know, what you value, what does the brand value? How does that form a connection or does it form a connection? So I think when I, when I say the next 10 years is going to be about community, it's going to be about how does a business, how does an organization build a deeper relationship with its fans, its customers, its super fans through that bond of personal connection? Yeah, content can be the spark for the connection to happen, for the relationship to to develop and for it to grow. But community is where the tightest bonds, the tightest, strongest feelings, if you will, are going to be had. Definitely. And that leads to all other sorts of benefits from the company when you have that stronger, you know, versus what content can generate alone. When you use content to bring someone into your community, the benefits are that much bigger and broader for the company, right? Exactly. It's interesting because the content side, I mean, you mentioned it's table stakes. So it is still something that is important, right? Like you don't believe that people should be giving up on content. It's something that we all have to still be doing. But like you said, it's just very specific. Content is mainsail. It has to exist. So don't think I'm saying, oh, you know, just focus on community building without content. Absolutely not. In fact, you want your community members to be building and creating content with you. It goes back to my, you know, or earlier comment about the rise of influencer-based marketing, but community members have so much passion in many ways, so much domain expertise, so much wisdom, so much experience that you should try to pull out of them, like empower them to be vocal, to share those things within the community, a la 
creating content. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like your community is one of your best resources for producing content. But then at the same time, there's sort of like what the comment goes back to the comment you were mentioning before that like, it's so easy to create content now everybody's a thought leader is kind of the space that we're in. So figuring out, you know, the the right way to feature people and empowering them with the right tools or giving them, them some guidance, right? Yeah. You have to be smart with your content, I think is what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. You have to have a deliberate strategy with how you use your content across what I would consider integrated customer journeys based off of the persona. So you have a persona, and then you have an integrated customer journey. And the key to integrated is it's integrated from the channel mix you use to activate that audience, to engage that audience with all that content. But it's integrated into the entire business from, of course, the marketing team standpoint, but to the sales team and the customer success team, especially. So you really need to think of, a, of a, an approach that spans the whole life cycle And the way to really stay on message, if you will, to take this big idea, the thing that's in the beginning of the whole um, narrative, the big idea in the story, and pull that all the way through and fulfill the promise, fulfill the big idea at the end of the day with your customers, is you got to use large content assets that I call cornerstone content. And there's four types. The first type is the most commonly known one. It's a book. And in the digital world, it's like an ebook, mm-hmm. but I just think of it as digital books or physical books. And really, like old school, Ben, it's like white papers. I don't know if it's a white paper. Right. Actually, I would actually would not call a white paper a book. That's another bucket. It's one of the other five, uh, one of the other four. But to me, it's like a book is like an ebook, right? So it's a thought leadership piece. It could be very top of funnel. It could be very brand centric. We have one that's about the revenue era. This now new era of marketing we're in. The revenue era, marketing and sales, in fact, not just marketing, but you can tell stories with these books, right? And you can pull in those examples like we talked about. You can pull in social proof. You can pull in a lot of different content from your community into this book and have the book be crowdsourced, if you will, from the mm-hmm. community. We do that a lot at Drift. And then you can go off and like publish a physical book if you want. We've done that with the conversational marketing book. We did that in my past job at HubSpot. And that's really to submit yourself as a category leader. That's a way to really use that as a, as a springboard to other things you might do with that idea, uh, which is like speaking at big events about the idea, doing, you know, research about that idea. So for example, like we wrote a book about conversational marketing. We now have the conversational marketing or the state of conversational marketing, I should say. Every year we publish that research, which by the way, is another type of cornerstone content, research. So research is the second one. Excellent. And then we take that, that that idea of conversational marketing and we we published and have created a certification course, which third cornerstone content is courses. So a big idea can then be formed into these all these different types of cornerstone content assets. I'll get mm-hmm. to the other two in a second. Yeah. But that is how you pull people along in the journey, right? And you give them these different options of how to engage within the community. I love that you start with a core concept because even I mean you talked about conversational marketing, you talked about like revenue acceleration or the era of revenue and previously you were at HubSpot, obviously that was the inception of inbound marketing which was a whole thing. So it's, I love that because you can see historically, like how that impacted HubSpot's growth and development and created this whole separate thing that everybody knows about now. And now with conversational marketing, and I love how you use that to kind of fuel all these different streams of content and you really stretch it as far as you can, not where it dilutes it all, but where it adds to the concept, right? Where it's opportunities to either dig in deeper or to engage through a different medium or that sort of thing. So it's super valuable to hear kind of 
all these ways that you strategically will start with a core concept and then develop this whole web based on that. It's the big idea. It doesn't have to necessarily be a category, but it's something, right? And yeah, I mean, you, you do that in your books. You do that in the, in the courses that, that could have a certification, might not have to have a certification. You do that in research. Like, so research reports, I would put like white papers into research almost, right? There, but white papers can also be more bomb in the funnel. But like, anyway, I hate white papers anyway. I just white paper is such an outdated term. Well, then you have events. Events is another cornerstone content asset. People say, how is an event content? Well, an event is two things. It goes back to what I said about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes ago. Content you know, is about helping create a connection. What is an event, right? It's, it's people coming together to connect mm-hmm. and they have a shared interest. They have a shared belief in something they, they, or they want to learn more about something and they want to, they want to believe, they want to come and be like, whoa, I want to be like, I want to be inspired or be motivated. I want to be educated. So an event is, is such powerful content because it's, it's about experience. It's about what you're going to actually learn and be inspired by during that event. And at the end of the day, an event is one of the most, most special community type experiences you can share together. So then after the event, using that content, and we'll get to one of my other like th- thoughts maybe in a moment, which is my solar system strategy. You use the event as the center of your solar system, like the sun, if you will, and you create all of these other assets using that event content over time. I can give many examples of how we've done this, but that then helps you take the messaging and the content in that event that happened just once, right? For two or three days or one day and use it across 12 months. Yeah. And again, stay on that theme, stay on that story, stay on that message, right? And keep pulling it apart, almost atomizing it, if you will. So events are the fourth type then of cornerstone content. So as someone who has like a very low attention span, how do me, I'm talking about not you, (laughs) how do you stay on topic? Like, how do you, okay. So we pick conversational marketing, like maybe I do an event on something like that. I'm all excited about it. We, it's a huge success. You run it for a month. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm bored of that now. Now I want to talk about this new shiny thing, or I have an idea for this sort of ad we can ad campaign we can do. And I'm always sort of chasing after that next shiny thing. How do you stay focused or in, in your role now where you're, man, you're leading both content and community? How do you keep your team really focused on the center of the solar system, as you say? So some of that is through integrated campaigns and integrated customer journeys. Right. So we have three campaigns for the entire year at Drift. Nice. Three high level campaign messages and themes. I love that. So simple. You, know, you could get simple. <laughs> you could do that for, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, because we're trying to just continue to beat the drum, right? Like continue yeah. to, you know, we know that someone for at least what we're selling, it's not a very transactional sale. So you, you have to have six, seven, 10, 12 interactions, touch points. Right. So you got to keep beating that drum. You know, for a smaller business, it might be six months. You could change the the campaign every six months. I don't think you can really do it less than six months. It's like, what do you, you know? Within the year, though, we have quarterly programming. So quarterly, every three months, we look at the quarter and we say, what's working, what's not working? How can we improve, add, or maybe even remove some of the things we're doing as part of the overarching campaign across those three different themes, those campaign themes. But we plan out, the assets, the offers that go into it. And we start with these cornerstone content assets first. Like what are the big things we're going to do in the next three months, six months, or 12 months that are from a book standpoint, a research standpoint, an event standpoint, a course standpoint. And the fifth one is shows like this podcast, podcast show, cornerstone content. 
Definitely. What are we doing in that time frame, and how can we reuse, repackage, reposition, even refresh those things, those large cornerstone content assets throughout those campaigns over a certain time period? Definitely. Yeah, it's fantastic to, to I mean, see our future state. I think well, it gives us something to aim for where we just did, uh, we've like got the next three months planned and we're like, yes, high five to us for having the next three months. But I love the idea of having that, you know, three central components for the year. That's, and then everything stems off of that. There's a bunch, more stuff I want to ask you on that, but I want to go back to one thing that, that jumped out at me because one of the things I've always loved about doing at events is in building community in general is I always find that the, there's a magic moment that happens. Sometimes it's virtual, but I found it more happened more at personal at in-person events. But when people realize that someone else has the same, is facing the same challenge they are at work. Like when you realize, oh, you're struggling to get budget for a platform as well. Like, so are we, like, how are you approaching it? And then they don't feel alone. They don't feel stupid and they can share ideas and they can help each other. So one of my favorite questions to ask on the podcast actually is for you to share a challenge that you're facing right now that you think other folks that might be in a content or community leadership role might also be facing. For me, it's hiring, like hiring people. It's always, it's probably always the biggest challenge because I'm, you know, in a, in a position, I guess you could say of leadership. So (laughs) I'm always hiring, no matter if I even have a technically open headcount, I'm always trying to find someone who might want to join the team. But like right now in today's climate, if you're listening to this in the first half of 2021, maybe even the second half of 2021, it is a a candidate's market, not an employer market, right? Like How you, so? There's so many job openings. Mm. And I don't believe there are enough qualified, or you know, qualified is maybe not the right word, skilled, like the, the skills, there's a skill gap, a real skills gap for at least the industry that that I've been part of, which is the software industry, software as a service industry, because it's a new industry. And unfortunately, a lot of the colleges and edu- you know educational institutions don't teach the stuff that we really should be teaching to close this gap, to get people into a pos- you know out of school into a position of saying, hey, I can add pretty fast value. I will always hire for character and train for skill, Ben. That is my philosophy. Hire for character, train for skill. I love it. However, there is nuances to that right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the people that have amazing, the the people that are great, that are just exceptional, no matter like kind of what their background or experience is, are going to be highly competitive. They're going to get a lot of job offers, right? They're going to, yeah, because a lot of people believe in that philosophy, I think. So no matter what, right, you're, you're competing with a lot of amazing businesses, a lot of amazing brands, a lot of amazing companies that can add a tremendous amount of value to someone's life. And that mm-hmm. person can add a ton of value to that company. So today, number one, finding the best possible people that could be great additions to our business, great additions to our culture. Really, at the end of the day, I look for a great addition to our community. Ben. Mm. I'm hiring people to join the Drift community. And they're coming on as a drifter who's going to be the biggest advocate, in, in a way, the an ambassador for the Drift community. Because that's what you know a Drift team member, a drifter, we call them. Once it is entrusted to do, I like the name Drifter. <laughs> love, yeah, I mean, love Drifters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great. So I'm curious because I mean, you're obviously experienced in category building, something we've been doing at Catalyst as well, and and that I've done in previous roles. One thing we're looking at. I mean, obviously we're thinking about doing. You know, we've 
there's a few different courses in the CS, in the customer success space, if people want to learn how to do customer success really well, you know, we've talked about making our own or partnering and all this different stuff. Is it something where you believe like what I'd love to be able to do, what my like ideal vision is, is that we can create some sort of feeder program where people coming out of school who want to get into tech but don't know, haven't heard of customer success before, can A, learn that it's a career option, B, take a, you know, if it's a few a three month long course or something like that, that's either free or very cheap, but that would give them all the core skills they need to then make them able to perform well in a junior CSM kind of role and sort of build that, that all into place so that we're able to find great candidates for ourselves, but also able to contribute to the CS community by saying, here's a pool of, you know, new grads that have, learned about this skill and they're qualified enough to be able to come contribute value. Is that something that you're thinking of doing or that you've done before that you think might work? Or are there, do you think there's barriers to that, something like that working? No, I mean, it definitely works. I mean, we built HubSpot education partner program and my past job as part of the broader HubSpot Academy, HubSpot community. And that's now in, I think, well over 1500 schools, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have gone through that. I was probably getting close to a million at this point. It's you know, six, seven years old. It's It's got a whole team around it now. So no, I mean, 100%. I mean, other businesses have done that as well. We'll do the same thing at Drift. We've started to do small things uh, around that right now, very you know early days. But mm-hmm. the category thing comes down to not so much in the beginning of like the content. It comes down to like, what's the big idea? Like, what's the old way, new way? What's the enemy? What's the hero? What's the narrative of the category? And is it an adjacent category? So even inbound marketing, conversational marketing are, in my estimation, I could be wrong, are kind of adjacent categories to, to the overall category, which is marketing. So, like, you know, like customer success, I don't know, is there an adjacent category? I don't know. I have to do, do research on that. So like, that's something to consider though when creating a category, mm. number one. It's true. It's, it's not a variation of a pre-existing function. I mean... It is in some ways, probably depends on who you ask. Uh, probably some some listeners that, that are disagreeing with me, but I would say it's a net new function because it emerged out of the creation of SaaS as a type of business. There was never a need for, in most cases, specific customer success managers because people weren't selling products where they needed to retain you for two years to make any money off of you. Like they were just giving you an upfront cost with that need to retain and grow comes the need for customer success. So it's not a net new field, but in like it's been around for at least 15 years or so in some form or another, but it's still relatively new compared to marketing or sales or something that's been around since, you know, ancient Egypt kind of thing. I assume there was marketing in ancient Egypt. I'm not, <laughs> uh, I'm not the authority on that. Well, the question is, is for me is like customer success, it can be, a, it's, you know, it's kind of like marketing, right? It's a team. It's, you could say it's a category, it's a function. Yeah, there's a lot of things to consider when when deciding that you're going to you're going to go all in and try to create a category because you don't create a category unless you really want to be number 1. There's no point. Like you don't want to be number 2. Number 2, you're if you're not number 1, like the, right the quote is you're, you're last, it doesn't matter. Like you lose, you're the biggest so the R- Ricky Bobby quote if you're not first yeah, you're last. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, like I think I, I think that holds true for category creation in many ways. You can I have seen some cases, I won't name names, like where like the, the category was overtaken maybe by a competitor. Definitely. I mean, look at what a company's marketing is going through right now. There's a company's marketing. I've seen a company's engagement. I see now a company's experiences. So it's like, you know, it's evolutions. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing to do. You really got to be committed to it though. It's it's amazing from a community standpoint, right? It's It's an amazing way to enable and 
spark a community, but it's a long-term investment. You've got to stick with it for many, many years. I love it. It's, it, I mean, it's putting us being willing to put your, you know, stake in the sand and then rally people around it, advocate for it and stick with it. And if you find the right message, if you put the right stake in the ground, then it really works incredibly well. I have a, a friend, many, many folks I know over at this company called Casted, a podcast company, actually, podcast hosting and, and video hosting company, Casted. They have now come up with a new category, amplified marketing. Interesting. It's actually a lot of the stuff we've been talking about today. It's somewhat related. I'm very interested to see what they do. They want to own this new category called amplified marketing. And they're going to go all in though. Lindsay, the CEO, she's going to go all in and she, she's she got some big things coming down the, the road from a cornerstone content standpoint to really help the team and the community of people that believe in it already mm-hmm. continue to further cement the category. That's fantastic. I love that. Uh, I've got my homework. In uh, <laughs> talking a little bit more about the CS side, I was curious to get your thoughts on this because a long-term marketing leader, how is the Drift, do you work with the Drift customer success team? It sounds like you do, especially in terms of creating that integrated kind of customer experience. You know, In what ways is the Drift CS team most helpful to you? I mean, I love this, the customer success team. I started, my first job was doing research. Then at that same company, I started to do full-time marketing because it was like a small startup. Mm-hmm. Then when I joined HubSpot, I was on the customer success team for like four years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah, I was an implementation onboarding manager, customer success manager, slash account manager. Like, yeah. So I know customer success is near and dear to my heart. I got to HubSpot because I was a customer at the time. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I realized that the customers needed more help, needed more resources. So I wanted to come to HubSpot to help them kind of fix that because I think that I thought this idea of inbound marketing and what HubSpot was doing could be really big because we saw major success during the Great Recession to save our business and grow the business. So then it's a matter of like, okay, what could we, you know, what could we do on the CS side to help our customers? So number one, if, if you're a marketer listening, customer success team is the hidden, shouldn't be hidden, but it is kind of today, the hidden source of all the insights you basically need. Because customers are the most important thing to learn from, to talk to, to build a relationship with. I personally join five to 10 different sales or customer calls a week. That's a fact. And the way you create, going back to the idea of a story, a big idea, a narrative, all the way through to product marketing, messaging, and positioning, and the copy you use in your content, the copywriting you use, the headlines... You got to use the words that your customers are using for the most part. You have some liberty to vary, variate from that, but you have to understand your customer in the deepest sense. So where can you get those insights? The customer success team. Where can you learn like, hey, what, what is the real value we're delivering to them? What are they really struggling with to get to that value? How can we better set up the promise in the beginning? How can we better enable and help you fulfill the promise, right? Because especially for a SaaS business, like you said, or any business, the more you can do to retain a customer, the better that is for the whole business and the whole economics of the business. For sure. So it behooves marketing. And then if the customers are really excited, really successful, which hopefully all of the customers you know, <laughs> will be over time, it won't be everyone, but the majority guess what? That's a community, right? That's a big part of your community. Not the community, but it's a big part of your community. Definitely. And I'm excited to ask you about Drift Insider and and that community journey, what it's been like. But I wanted to quickly ask because CSM, CS leaders, 
as I'm sure you know, being formal, it's the natural instinct is how can I be helpful to you? So for CS people who are listening, who want to help out their marketing team uh, in some way, maybe marketing hasn't come to them and asked for all these insights and things like that. But what's something you would suggest that, you know, maybe a a CS team lead or, or a head of CS listening could or should do that would be really impactful for their marketing team? I mean, one thing would just be to hold like a roundtable like session, just get the leaders together, get the teams together, get to know each other a bit, number one, like, and have a, I have a, a value, a principle at your business. That's something like what we have at Drift, which is to put the customer at the center of everything you do. Like somehow just get the dialogue going, number one. Number mm-hmm. two, come with just, even if it's a top three, top three biggest things that are not leading to customer value. Mm. Just to talk, that's, and then work your way backwards from each one of those three things. Why, like, ask the five why scenario, just the five whys. And then action that, that to the marketing teams, right? The other thing, though, from a marketing standpoint, like the customer success leader or leader should go and say to the marketing team, it's like, hey, how much are you investing from a budget, a headcount program side to our customers? Like, and if marketing won't listen, go to the CEO, go to someone else in the company, go to the chief revenue officer, go to someone. Like, right. like marketing is probably in most cases, in most cases, not saying an absolute statement, but is under investing in how much they do for the customer success team. Mm. Just because it isn't a motion that is that well established yet. But the key is to look at your revenue plan. If your revenue plan calls for 40%, just as an example, 40% of your revenue to come from existing customers, I'm not saying your marketing budget has to equate to 40% spend on that because it should be more efficient, but mm-hmm. you know, 20%, yeah. Gives you a ballpark. Yeah. I mean, you know, so like, Ben, I think the real point is, is have the dialogue and get yeah. into conversation. And then the marketing side, it, you just, if you're a marketing leader, you have to be talking to your customers. If you don't talk to customers at least a couple times a week, as a marketing director or above, I'll say it right now, I, I don't, you're doing your business a disservice and your customers a disservice by not doing that. Okay, I want to talk to you about Drift Insider now, this amazing community that you've built at Drift. So it's, how did you, obviously community building is an extremely uh, sexy space right now. There's a lot of companies that are working to build out their own communities, some starting from scratch, some converting kind of older Maybe they've had a forum for a few years, but a forum does not a community make or some insightful quote like that. So curious, when you started Drift Insider, how what was the strategy to get the first thousand members? So I'll take a step back really quickly. Like unification is start out with what, what Drift Insider is. Yeah. That'd probably be a better question for me to ask. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> start. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all good. It's good. It, it is a community, right? It's it's a community of marketing and sales professionals. It includes a ton of free content and, and resources for anyone in marketing and sales. It's got four, it's getting close to 45,000 members and it's free. That's crazy. Yeah, it's free to join. It started about unifying the customer experience. So Drift Insider has different benefits, features, and capabilities. Those are different things. Benefits, features, and capabilities are all different things from my perspective. And I can break them down. But like, you know, a benefit, for example, to join is you get exclusive content, you get a ton of free certifications, you get access to this insider community discussion forum, you get a few other things, right? Like there's benefits. A lot of the insider stuff is completely ungated, completely free. You do not need to be a member if you want to get a lot of our insider content, all of our books, 
completely free, right? But if you want to go deep into some of our masterclasses, think of like masterclass.com. We have masterclasses just like them. You don't have to be a member. Fine. Right. One time thing, sign up. It takes like literally 10 seconds. And that's free. It's just you're giving your email. Yep. Just your email. Just your email. Set a password, get your email. It's kind of like sending up for a free product, right? Commun- and, and I would almost equate that to like a whole other topic we could talk about, which is like community-led growth. It's like product-led yeah. growth. Community-led growth is coming. But anyway. So there's benefits. There's features, right? Like a feature is I can get uh, a certification, right? I can save content to come back to in a future you know, world, right? So there's like, there's features to it. And then there's like capabilities that are probably more on like the technical side where like you could build a profile where, you know, we're, we're revamping our profile, right? But there's benefits, features, and capabilities. And when you go to your question, like, how do you grow to the first 1000? You used to ask yourself, well, what's going to be the thing that, that gets an audience? So in our case, we already had a captive audience that gets a captive audience to want to sign up. The reverse could be the case though. You don't have a very strong captive audience. So Drift had a pretty strong brand back in 2019 when this launched. It was early 2019, April 1st to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone thought it was a joke? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, I don't know. We just picked that date. We didn't even tie it to April Fool's. We were just like, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's just over two years old. But we we had a, a pretty big audience because of Seeking Wisdom, because of our hypergrowth events, because of our brand efforts, right? If you don't have that, there's another whole positioning exercise you can do with this, right? You can make it the thing to start off the community building, right? But the key is you have to have a really tasty carrot or a tasty cookie at the end of the stick. Right. So, right. So we had, and this is where it goes back to my earlier comment about content being the spark for a community. The content within Insider, when it launched, we had four or five masterclass type courses was really, I thought, what at least what people were saying was pretty awesome, right? It was Dave Gerhardt. It was David Cancel. It was some of our customers. It was some of our uh, friends that uh, had done speaking at our hypergrowth events, reusing some of that content, all within Drift Insider. You could all get that for free at the time. The other thing we did is we did create a separate tier called Drift Insider Plus, which we're retooling now to be completely different than what it was, but it was a premium thing that was $99 a year. And you could, you could use that as an additional, even larger, tastier cookie to get people to say, this is an exclusive thing. Drift Insider Plus, it's only available for the first hundred people. Right. You know, then it's going to be locked. Right. So you create scarcity, you create FOMO. Yeah. All of the things we did are born from the principles of just influence. That famous book. There's seven, there's not actually eight now, Principles of Influence from Robert uh, Cialdini. And we just use those tactics to create a sense of, of urgency, which is one of the principles, with people to then want to sign up. I love that. And I also want a cookie now. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to think about that though, Ben, right? Like you have to think about yeah. how big of an audience you have to begin to, to start with, to begin with, to actually get your first 1,000 true members. Yeah, it's. I mean, it feels like a chicken and an egg thing, right? It's If you have the captive audience already, then that's your jumpstart to build out this community, build out the engagement. Because if you invite 30,000 people, you know, your odds of getting some activity and some great stuff happening and people engaging with the content is, is high. Otherwise, yeah, you have to create the content and then market that out to, to get it in front of a large enough audience to attract everyone in. And yeah, it's there's different, different, definitely different, unique challenges. But and that's the other thing that I'm seeing now too is 
even trying to create a unique community, right? Because it can be unique to your brand, but I could list off eight different customer success communities for you right now. And, you know, if we want to launch some other separate place, where we're going to ask people to come and sign up and engage. We better offer them some, some damn good stuff in there, um, some damn good tasting cookies uh, so that they'll want to take the time and the effort to go do that. Yeah, I, that's why I think com- content plus community equals connection and conversation. Or it's like content plus community equals conversation, which then creates the meaningful, deeper connection. I see what you mean. I think that was Newton's fourth law, but yeah, <laughs> I love that though. I think it's it's so important. And I, I also wanted to ask you about that because I know many VPs of community. I know many VPs of content marketing or marketing where content sits under them. I think you're the only VP of content and community, at least that I have spoken with and, and you know, have seen at a, a high-profile SaaS company. Was that a role that you specifically came in and were like, content plus community, these are under an umbrella. They're, I don't know the word I'm trying to go for. They're reliant on each other. They're necessary to, to make this work. So this is the role and, and what needs to fall under it. Like I know many VPs of CS that are now getting into VPs of CS and operations because those two are linked inexplicably. That was the the word I was looking for, even though that's the wrong word. So I'm curious about this role. Did you create it? Was it created for you? Was it a role they already knew they wanted to tie these two things together? That's an interesting question. No one has really asked me that question. It was definitely done very intentionally. I've known David, our CEO, co-founder, David Cancel, since 2011. He and I, he and I actually used to live very close to each other. Um, we still live pretty close to each other, but like very close to each other. And we just became very friendly. And we knew at some point we would always work again together. So when it was kind of time for me to to take the next step in the journey and empower this amazing team at HubSpot to take their next steps in a bit much bigger way, I reached out to him and I, I we started talking and I was like, all right, this all is making a ton of sense. Yep, this makes sense. It's like, all right, the way this should work though is we need to connect the content and community building together. So it was just like, yeah, let's just do content and community underneath the, t- the title. And it's um, I've seen it a few more times now. I have. It's starting to cross. I think it's going to be actually a very common thing in the next three, four, five years. Will it all spin up to like a chief community officer kind of role? Do you think? To me, it depends on the business model. Like the chief community officer makes sense. Business model dependent. So chief content officer, right? Those exist too, right? A lot of media companies, you have that. You know, you, you even have that. I think even like Netflix, right? Has chief content officer. There's like, you know, yes, definitely. I mean, if you're a content driven company, that it makes sense to. It's different than what we're talking about here though with like content, right? Content is the product. Right. But you could argue too, like more and more of what, a SaaS business or any business is doing, like you could... The content is still part of the product, yeah. The content is still the product in a sense of like, it's indirectly the product, but it's directly the brand. Yeah. It's very, so anyway, getting back to your question though, like chief community officer, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to unfold. I firmly believe that marketing teams, that the structures of marketing teams can be simplified. And the way you design your teams, I forget who said this quote, but the way you design your teams dictates the customer experience Mm. or not. Interesting. So content and community, we have ownership over the entire customer lifecycle for all content and community, which includes events, social, even learning and development as part of technically my team, like the teams I lead. Interesting. So that unifies, we are here to help unify the customer experience. 
from the very first interaction to the thousandth interaction engagement, right? So in the same with like our, our RevOps, uh, we have uh, someone coming on SVP of revenue marketing. Oh, that's both demand gen and customer marketing. Same unification. Interesting. Right. So I think it's a simplification because like then we have creative and brand and then we have product marketing. It's four mm-hmm. functions. Like some of these marketing teams have like a gazillion functions. You have someone doing content, someone doing community, someone doing top of funnel content, someone doing bo- someone doing it's just it's too scattered, right? You know, mm-hmm. like I think as you get bigger and bigger, that simplification has to somehow maintain itself while allowing the organization to scale. Like when I left HubSpot, the marketing team was 300 people. You know, Adrift is about 40, 45 right now. So we're not even, you know, at that scale yet. But like you get to another bigger business, another, you know, well-established SaaS business, the marketing team is well over 300 people. You're talking well over 500 people. But still, like how do you create, how do you design the team so that the customer experience is the most well-suited to get them to the promised land. Interesting. Which is all about customer success in this case, right? Yeah, like, 100%. How do you get them to value? How do you get them to value as fast as possible by delivering on, against the promise? By creating and using content and community to do just that, right? Which there are, we've covered a million ways to do that. But one of the last questions I'll ask, I saw you, uh, you retweeted Ava Substack about routines and rituals. So, you know, you've got a crap load of stuff on your plate from content and community. So what are one or two routines or rituals that you use for that get you to be productive? I capture everything. How do you mean? Like I took notes, you might not have even noticed, but I've taken probably three or four notes during this conversation just now. Oh, wow. I didn't notice. So Very subtle. You're good at it. <laughs> I took three or four notes in this conversation. I would say maybe one of them was more of a original note that I took down of something that like maybe you inspired me to think of or Know, the conversation inspired, whatever. Mm-hmm. One of my rituals is, it's not a ritual, it's more of a routine, it's a habit. habit I, yeah. yeah, I capture everything. My ritual is to or- organize those notes like throughout the month. So every week- That's the hard part. I'll write down, I do the first piece of that, like I'll write everything down, but then I'm like, I don't have the time to go through all these pages of notes I read. So unless it's something I wrote down, because I'm like, this is brilliant, circled it 80 times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, get all those notes together. So what do you so do you do it like every day, you kind of put all your notes together and remove the crap and keep the gold kind of thing? The bigger idea that I do, which is really the ritual is I have developed over time, what I call just a personal operating system. I have a personal operating system, which integrates my work, my non work things, and the things that I'm just passionate, I love and I love about life. Those things have been integrated together so that I can focus cognitively on the things that are the most, that make me the, the happiest and that make the people around me the happiest. Like there's no point to try to remember something that can be turned into a mental model or into a checklist, mm-hmm. right? It's like zero, zero use in my opinion to try to memorize that stuff for the most part, right? You write it down and you use it, right? It's why surgeons, it's why pilots, it's why all these people have those things, right? right? What they use their their brain power around is things that happen, right? That are happening in the moment or outside of their day-to-day to come up with these amazing things or amazing ideas to solve bigger problems, to do bigger things, right? To do So I just would say that like, if you can create your own personal operating system, your the brain power you use throughout the day and the week will shift to things that will then end up providing you more value and create a more like rich life for yourself. 
it's a big undertaking though, Ben. Like it's, it is. I've been doing this for 20 years. You've been at it for a bit. I have. It's, I don't know why I like doing it so much. It's just because I feel like I can well, do it. Because it works. Lot. Clearly yeah, it, it works, right? Yeah, it does work, I guess. Like, awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. This was incredibly valuable for me and I'm sure <laughs> for my listeners as well. But thanks again. And I really appreciate you coming on. And if people are, are you hiring right now? You mentioned that was a, that was a challenge. So should, uh, should people be, be looking for roles at Drift? Yeah. Yeah. And feel free to text me 978-226-6965. All right. Everyone text Mark. <laughs> feel free. All right. Thanks. Talk soon. Thanks, Ben. Thanks everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Wynn, and this was NPS I Love You. P.S. I love you. <laughs>